Available right now via the iHeart app and iTunes. Our two new podcasts. Armstrong and Getty, one more thing. That's our daily after show podcast. And Armstrong and Getty Extra Large featuring our interviews of the most interesting people in the world. Subscribe today via the iHeart app or iTunes. Or wherever podcasts are given away for free. Because we're stupid. Chevrolet has announced it's introducing a new safety feature that will send parents report cards tracking a teen's driving behavior. It's just one of the new features on the 2019 Chevy Narc. (laughs) Funny. I got to mention this because we're fans of Stephen Hayes around here. When do him and Jonah Goldberg get their new publication going or website or whatever it is? Any minute now. I'm looking forward to it. Anyway. Well, they're going to be anti-Trump Republicans. Conservatives. Conservative. Is that going to be their focus anti-Trump? Well, that was the way I heard Jonah Goldberg uh. describe it. I can't remember the phrase specifically. It was surely flowery and eloquent from uh, old JG. I'm not as the interested. Other JG. I'm not as interested in that. But anyway, Stephen Hayes tweeted out, as you know, should be mentioned, the national debt just hit $22 trillion, $30 billion. Oh, yeah. Uh, entitlements are driving that number higher. It's a predictable crisis, and nobody in Washington seems to care. Right. Which is uh, the absolute truth. Right. The next generation will deal with it. <laughs> we'll overspend. We'll spend like, you know, bachelors on a Coke binge in Las Vegas. Somebody else will foot the bill, specifically the kids and grandkids. It's an un- it is a moral failing of the highest order. And, you know, I used to blame the left for it. Now I guess we got to blame everybody. My kids will grow up in a weaker country. Yeah, significantly weaker with, with astounding taxes. By, you know, current standards. You know, we talk about how, how could China dominate the next century with their demographic problem and their banning Winnie the Pooh and all that sort of stuff. They're, they might be saying, how could America continue to dominate when they spend $3 for every two they take in and nobody seems to care? Right. Right. And then which they've got a good argument. It's a reasonable question. Well, I'm reading on these statistics about music and how it's bought and sold, and it's just, the numbers are amazing. You know, s- Physical uh, media outsold downloads because downloads are dropping so fast, but CD sales slipped 34% in a year. I've done business with companies that fabricate CDs. They've got to be terrified. Well, sure. they're, they're beyond terrified. They're accepting the fact that their industry is going away. It's amazing the pace of change these days. Uh, so uh, the United States have been ranked from best to worst, finally. So uh, I would go ahead My and... My favorite state, state of bliss. Very nice. Or I, ecstasy. Ecstasy is a pretty good state. <laughs> ecstasy is temporary. Bliss, though, it's good, long-lasting. You know? Uh, here's Depends what I suggest you do. Call your local van line of your choice. Whether the uh, the local chumps or the national chumps. Why would I say chumps? Or the national companies. You call them up. You say, hey, I'd like to move from wherever you live. And they'll say, all right, to where? You say, give me a minute. And then you listen to the rest of this feature. Mm. And say, eh, Tennessee or wherever. Positive, Sean? I don't know about my favorite state, but the one I find myself in the most is confusion. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Inebriation is uh, it's a good state. <laughs> good times there. 
But then the state of remorse is right next door. Right, right. That's not a good state to hang around in very long. It's hard to visit one without the other. Yes. You know, I find myself wondering, and I'm sure you don't mind me asking. I hope you don't mind me asking. What's an AA guy doing wearing a whiskey t-shirt? Is what? it sure got whiskey on it? Fireball whiskey. Hmm. That <laughs> was, doesn't uh, have whiskey on it. It is a whiskey shirt. <laughs> I was I was not even aware of that. It's $7 at Target. That's what I'm doing I'll with this I'll buy it shirt. off of you, four fifty. Then I have to walk around bare-chested the rest of the <laughs> we can We can work out the terms of the sale. <laughs> Nobody wants that. Why are you walking around with no shirt on? Well, Joe gave me $4 for my shirt. So. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> In this economy. So welcome to my moobs. How much for the jeans? <laughs> <laughs> so as usual, the methodology is... Um, is is questionable on this stuff, and well, you know, maybe next segment we'll get into it a little bit. But um, <laughs> Washington State, you're the best state in the nation. Congratulations. Louisiana and Alabama are tied for the worst. Well, that's a shame. Anyway, the American Rankings and Analysis website factored in healthcare, education, economy, infrastructure, opportunity, fiscal stability. Crime and corrections, I wonder what they mean by that, and natural environment to create its annual list of the best and the worst. With a Mm. GDP of $524 billion, Washington came out on top. Washington's a pretty great state. That's correct. It's a fabulous state in many ways. The uh, Politics couldn't be more Looney Tunes, but the uh, scenery is gorgeous. Uh, State's economy largely boosted by the aerospace industry. Uh Uh-oh, look out, Boeing. And the military and defense sector, which is ironic, given the way lefty, hippy-dippy nature of a lot of Washington state politics, particularly on the coast. Eastern Washington is full of sane people, by but, my estimation. And Washington's not so full like California, where and uh, you could you could live in Washington and uh, not be feel like you're oppressed by the government the way you do in, say, old California. Right. Uh, but aerospace, military, and defense employ the second largest number of people in Washington, uh, according to the report, I'm sure, after services. So the best state, according to all this, is uh, Washington. Yeah. I can't wait to hear what the worst state is, according to all this. Well, stuff. I told you already. You told us the worst state? Louisiana and Alabama oh. are tied. Yeah. Um, Ty, what is this, soccer? Yeah, come on. Uh, like kissing your sister, which they do in Louisiana and Alabama. Oh, I would like to apologize for this naked trafficking and in, in, insulting stereotypes the most basic of stereotypes yeah too. really yeah creativity score eh, zero none terrible terrible seven dollar shirt wearing dumb bunny <laughs> <laughs> on the other hand end of the spectrum louisiana is less than half the gdp of washington you know what would happen you'd give me four dollars i'd take my shirt off and then somebody in the newsroom would pay six dollars <laughs> to put the shirt back on me I tell you what, you give me $6 to give you your shirt back. I just made two bucks. Yes! Winning. Uh, just 30% of Louisiana's population has received a college education. Job growth sits at minus 2%, which is a full percent. Is there 1.4% below the uh, national average? I guarantee I could go to any of these bottom five states, find a town and a life, and be perfectly happy. Oh, no, that's wrong. Every person in that state lives the average life in the average place. That's why these lists are so important to pay attention to. Louisiana's obesity rate, fat, fat Louisiana, fat, 36.2%. That's not overweight and obese. That's just obese. 
And uh, state has a measly 4% of renewable energy usage, which yeah, is another whatever. one of the standards. Whatever. Please. I don't care about that. Um, so uh, One use energy. I'm sorry. Alabama is the second worst. They edged out Louisiana. What uh, What's the obesity rate in Washington, your top state? You know what? I would have to dive into okay. the uh, data, which we absolutely can do next segment because it's interesting. But uh, Alabama is the second best. All right. Let me flip back to that chart. Uh, here, here are your... Uh, your states. Number one is Washington. Number two, New Hampshire. Uh, three. I got to scan the map for three. Well, there's four in Utah. Congrats, Utah. Oh, Minnesota's number three. That's nice. Obesity rate in Washington is about 27%. Okay. That's pretty high. Well, we're a fat country. Uh, that's the 13th lowest adult obesity rate in the nation. I'm looking at your bigger states, including several where we are uh, honored, gifted. Uh, to be on multiple radio stations. Uh, Cal Unicornia, number 19. Oregon, 27. Uh, Florida, 13. Illinois, 35. Well, that's because Illinois is crumbling fiscally, mostly. Uh, any other requests? Uh, where's Colorado? 10. Top 10 for Colorado. Fabulous. Oh. The states that have been divided up into... Texas, 38. Oh, Texas. Directional. Oh, Texas. Virginia, West Virginia, who came out on top, North Dakota, South Dakota, the Battle oh, of the Dakota. You see what I'm saying? There you go. Traditional rivalries. Yeah, yeah. I need exactly. to see who came came in on top of those Oh, ones. boy. Virginia, 7. West Virginia, 47. Oh, that's a drubbing. Boy, that's pretty oh, interesting. Wow. Wow. That's like Kansas, Kansas State for a lot of years. Basketball. Uh, North the, the Dakotas, it's close. You will freeze your gonads off, but North Dakota's 15. South Dakota, 20. It's close, competitive. So South Dakota's really, it feels like it's nipping at North Dakota's heels. North Dakota's got that huge oil boom, which probably helped the economic stuff. Right. Which one's got Mount Rushmore? That'd be your South Dakota. Okay. Yep, sure enough. Nebraska 9. Nebraska's way more, Kansas way, 22. Way more presidents carved out of mountains in South Dakota than in North Dakota. <laughs> I raised them about three ranks, three full ranks. Nevada 37. Sorry, Nevada, I kept you waiting. Arizona 34. Alaska, 44, but number one for moose. I mean, you like some of those criteria, you're renewables, whatever. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> Just whatever. I'm in favor of it, but what, yeah, the, what yeah. the hell do I care? What do I care how many of my neighbors have renewables Right. if I'm moving there? I want a nice house, nice neighborhood. Be nice if there's a golf course I could play nearby. The weather's reasonable. I'd People like the taxes are... to be low. Yes, you, yes, you, please. You guys don't care about proximity to Zumba classes? There you go. <laughs> And whenever I smell cheap cologne and raccoons, I know I'm in New Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) He's dating somebody that uh, the blind governor of New Jersey dating some celebrity. I just saw that in the news. What was the celebrity? What? The blind governor of New Jersey. I got to add the blind governor of New Jersey to my news feed. (laughs) That they used to mock on Saturday Night Live. In retrospect, that's a... it's an interesting joke. He was, was an odd duck. Well, it was very funny, but you're just making fun of a guy because he can't see, because he would wander around. Well, yeah, that's... I, yeah, that's I get He's blind, he can't see. Wander, okay. Yeah, well, you with your inbreeding jokes, that seems to be right up your alley. <laughs> um, uh, What was the other thing I was going to get to? I don't know what it was. No, it'll be fascinating, though, guaranteed. Oh, <laughs> Beverly Hills, California, the ritziest of the ritzy. That's where I want to to be, living in Beverly. 
Um, uh, They've uh, outlawed tobacco sales, with one notable exception. So phony. Among other things coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Outside of this one church town, there's a gold dirt road to a whole lot of nothing. Oh, this is the Blake Shelton song we were talking about earlier that he, he decided to just put out a song and not an album, which is becoming a thing where you just you come up with a song and you just think, you know, I'm putting it out now. What's the point of waiting? What possible point would there be for me to wait until I get eight songs for an album? Or 13 or 20 or however many you need. Right. And then later on this hour, I want to delve back into the best states rankings. Okay. Because the more I look at it, the more it is a great example of the wrong way to look at the world. That is the way most of the world looks at the world. Um, I, this is well, an idiotic that's a, exercise. It's the reason I ignore most lists like that. They yeah. always have criteria that I couldn't disagree with more. So it's worthless to me. Well, even more important than that, I think it's just it's it's worldview. They don't even mention the quality of brisket sandwiches that any of these states can get. Exactly. Nothing about barbecue. Sean has read my mind. No. I'm, I will tell you this, and then we will pursue again this topic, he says, constructing a sentence that, frankly, is ugly. Uh, I sounded like Yoda. <laughs> we will pursue again this topic. Um, so uh, I'm looking at... Healthcare, education, economy, infrastructure, opportunity, fiscal stability, crime and corrections, and and finally, natural environment. We got to toss aside natural environment because there's only one of eight standards. The other seven rank the best people to the worst people. The state with the best people. What does that mean? Is Washington. What does best people mean? Well, what's a state? A geographic area? I mean, who cares? Washington State has the best people, apparently, because they've done the best in all of these things. Oh, I see. Louisiana has the worst people. Well, this ain't good. Number one, number one, that's uh, that's going to leave a mark. I mean, that's a little hurtful. Was that a Duck Dynasty guy? What was that? No, I think that was the guy who. Oh, right, the guy got his knee off and said, "Eh, well, it could have been worse." It is what it is. It is what it is. Um, uh, so it's uh, number one. It's hurtful. Number two. If I move to Louisiana, sounds awesome to me. uh, Oh, yeah. I'm not going to suddenly become the average Louisianan. In fact, that has nothing to do with my life, except in as far as I might get involved with a charity or something like that. The idea that my standard of living would decline an iota moving from one place to another is to make is to take my humanity away from me. And I mean, it's. What? What? The, the, I want everybody. Forget me. You. You move from say number two, New Hampshire, to number. Whoops. The list ended. Why would it? Yes, I want the whole list. To number forty, Kentucky. You're still gonna be you. You know, you'll make about the same money relatively, and the rest of it's just it's idiotic. Now, if you want to look at a single thing like healthcare, okay, but what do they mean by healthcare? Interesting. Do they mean which? Are they ranking the highest priority? Is how many states give out free healthcare for people who have not figured out a way to craft their life where they get healthcare? They see that as a better thing to do, which I'm sure Washington is better at that than Louisiana. I would agree. 
but I don't care. <laughs> it could be that states are specifically downgraded for valuing self-reliance. I, I guarantee you they are. They there. always, almost always are in these kind of lists, which is why I usually ignore them. Mm. They drive me crazy. If you're if you're if you do more recycling, you get higher up on the list. Best city to live in, and you know one of the heaviest weighted things is how much. My wife's sister actually chose Portland to live in. Her their number one priority for the family was their recycling program. Wow, I can't imagine choosing where you live based wow. on the recycling. But you know everybody gets their own priorities. Mine yeah. of like is like Sean's brisket. <laughs> then they have clickbait photos from California to New York. All fifty U.S. states excel at something. And apparently, my home state of Illinois excels at really cute girls putting corn in the back of a flatbed. And I would agree. That's what you see when you're in Illinois. Oh, yeah. A lot of that. By the way, this didn't make the news. Should have. But it didn't. For whatever reason, the the Republic Kratz and Demikins, is that what Savage always says, uh, decided not to battle over the debt ceiling and spending caps this time around. And Mitch McConnell announced a bipartisan deal to raise the debt ceiling and the spending the, caps. And so the adults in the room uh, prevailed today. Yeah, by 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 deciding and we're not going to have that whole fight over. Do we just continue to raise the debt cap and spend more than we did again? Let's not right. fight about it this time and make a big deal. Out the of it. extremists in our party have been silenced. Both parties will agree. We'll just raise the debt ceiling and continue to go into the red. Right. It's incredible. What's Hooray! coming? What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, the closed door Democrat impeachment meeting is over. Nancy Pelosi and AOC weigh in after Let the meeting. The leaking begin. Yeah, I want to hear this. The long investigation into who is really in the blackface photo that almost brought down the Virginia governor has wrapped and how a mustache can save your life. <laughs> are, are black are, are blackface rapey and blackface still in uh, power? They both yep. still have their jobs. Indeed. Th- th- there were three of those people. Huh? They all do. Because isn't the AG another blackface guy? And ironically, the rapey guy is a black man. I don't um, remember what the third place guy's deal was. What was his? He was blackface. I'm pretty was sure. Similar? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. definitely your top two people in the state, they still have their jobs. Yeah. Nobody That's predicted good. that at the That's time. That's super. <laughs> uh, all on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. Meatloaf. Oh, oh yeah. We had meatloaf. Yes. Oh, man, meatloaf is good. Jeez. You know, and it's like Put stopping at a... Catch up on that. Well, yeah, it's like stopping at, you know, a local burger stand. There are many variations, and they're all delicious. Can't Mostly go wrong. delicious, yeah. You can only go wrong one way. It's dry. But mm. it wasn't dry, it was oh, delicious. Oh, you got to throw a little Worcestershire sauce on there. Uh, news. Juice it right up. <laughs> news now with Marsha Phillips. <laughs> the ranks of House Democrats are pushing to open impeachment proceedings against President Trump. Well, Speaker Nancy Pelosi discussed the issue with her caucus this morning behind closed doors, and once that wrapped, she came out telling reporters... The various investigations into the Trump administration were proceeding nicely and... Uh, would you believe that it's important for the, the, to follow the facts? Uh, we believe that no one is above the law, including the President of the United States, and we believe that the President of the United States is engaged in a cover-up. Okay, well, I'm, I'm against I, following the facts, and I think the President is against the law. I'm, she knocked down those arguments. I believe that children are the future. You haven't said anything. <laughs> New York Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, Sandy. was asked if her fellow Democrats are ready to start impeachment proceedings against the president. You know, I think we're having thoughtful conversations about it, and I think that's, that's the most important. 
Okay. I think Sensing. we're having thoughtful conversations. Well, yeah, okay. So Nancy's okay. If if the most powerful vocal person out there, AOC, says we're having thoughtful conversations instead of yes, we must impeach, Nancy's okay. She's got them under herd. Investigators hired by a Virginia medical school cannot determine if Democratic Governor Ralph Northam is the person in that 1984 yearbook photo in blackface standing next to somebody in a KKK hood. Didn't he admit it was him? Yes, before he denied it. Yes. And he changed his mind. He initially said he was in the photo. He apologized during a news conference, but then backtracked the next day saying was he was... Was that the con- news conference where he almost moved hands? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Then he said, listen, my uh, the assistant governor's rapey, so you're better off than me. You want to keep going down the list? Go down to the next guy. Blackface, too. Right. Anybody else got anything for me? Run a, ran a puppy mill. <laughs> Today, investigators with a law firm specifically hired by the school to look into the matter said they couldn't conclusively determine the identities of either person in the photo, nor could they figure out the origins of the picture or if it was placed on Northam's yearbook page by accident. Whatever. Did, wasn't there a picture of him at that age in those pants? Yes. <laughs> yes. Of course, there was a popular pant at the time, Jack. The checked white guy golf pant. Now, Joe, I know you are a uh, you're, you're swelling well for Swalwell or something like that. What are you Swalwell? Swalwell, yes, right? California Representative and 2020 hopeful Eric Swalwell is facing questions over his spending habits. Uh oh. Uh, we need to have our draft of our uh, who's going to be the. We're each going to pick who we think it's most likely to drop out of the uh, the race. Or the soonest? I think it's O'Shanahan. And whoever has, we're going to go with three. And whoever, what? O'Shanahan, he'll get out first. Whoever has all three of their guys drop or gals first is the winner. But we got to get to that because it sounds like Swalwell, Swalwell. <laughs> a report by Fox He's on the way out. He's very high up on my draft board. Yes. <laughs> a report by Fox News says Swalwell racked up somewhere between twenty-five and sixty-five thousand dollars of credit card debt by twenty seventeen. Citing financial... Like in his personal life? That's what they're saying. Well, what the, Okay. Citing financial disclosures, the report says Swalwell also failed to pay his student loan debt and cashed out his pension with Alameda County when he joined Congress. Well, who decided to do a hit piece on somebody who wasn't going anywhere? Swalwell. Didn't we learn last week that everybody's got $30,000 of credit card debt? If he can't manage his own money, how can we expect right, him right, to manage right. the nation's right. money as well as the current crop we've got? <laughs> right. He seems like the perfect guy to be president, yeah, see, honestly. I have experience in spending more than you've got. Right. I'm perfect for Congress. Well, it turns out that uh, many guys choose to have facial hair for the aesthetic value, but it does turn out that a mustache acts as a kind of protective shield. Against? Yes. Against women, according to my wife. Death rays. Some women like the mustache. (laughs) University of Kansas researchers looked at a bunch of men who were diagnosed with scaly spots on the skin that can develop into skin cancer. They found that men who had a long history of sporting substantial mustaches had a 16% lower risk of developing skin cancer on their lower lip. That's compared to their so, peers. Just, just plain blocks the sun. Yeah. yeah. Who never the had mustache a mustache. mustache prevents it on the lower lip, so you need to have one of these big ones that cast a shadow yes. down there. That's what they're the saying. The pencil thin is useless. Yeah. I don't doubt that some of the cancer things I've had to had cut off my head was because I'm a bald guy my whole life. I don't have hair keeping me from getting right. burned in that area. 
On the other hand, we are talking about a 16% reduction. So if it's one in 50,000, it's now you do the math. <laughs> Less than that. It's 0.84 in 50,000. What if I get a really long, big uh, handlebar mustache that kind of uh, yes. puts shade on my shoulders also? That's good. It's a good move. Yes. You can go tank top much more liberally now. <laughs> Excellent protection. You know the mustache I can't uh, take? Is is the one that grows like substantially down over the mouth? That's just that's a terrible look, uh, in my opinion. <laughs> Fellas, don't do it. It's gross. The head uh, of the head of HBO programming is defending Game of Thrones. Over 19 million people tuned into the series finale Sunday night, which set new records for GOT and for HBO. Of course, not all the show's fans were pleased with the ending. Over a million of them have now signed an online petition calling for a remake of Thrones Season 8 with competent writers. Oh, boy. Come on. That's it's, it's pretty funny trolling. It's funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, I mean, come on. Right. It is what it is. Make the best of it. There right. you go. Thank you, sir. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. I'm no, I'm no, I, I've lost the capacity for joy. I'm no longer amused by modern life. I'm just, I know I'm it. just not amused by modern life. I know it. Too much, too fast, too all the timey, right? Not everyone was pleased. Yeah, that's the state of freaking everything. Twitter so, explodes <laughs> over. Oh, I don't care. I'm surprised Twitter the headline explodes. Period. I'm surprised the headline wasn't Monday morning. Everyone pleased with Game of Thrones finale because that's what I expected to hear. Yes. Right. Good lord. There weren't even four people with a Twitter account who were angry at this. Everybody completely thrilled with the finale. The internet is unanimous. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Not one right. dissenting right. voice. Yeah, as, as Ricky Gervais said, right. and I agree with him completely, if there's one thing to cut out of your life, right. maybe smoking. But after smoking, it's ever clicking on any headline that implies somebody's mad about somebody, <laughs> something somebody else did. Yeah, but in it's China, guaranteed crap. In China on the internet, China. everyone could agree on the same subject. There you go. That's why we need more of a Chinese yes. system. If you don't like the internet, go on the internet and complain. Yes. We're going to talk to one of our favorite pundits, Lan He Chen, coming up next about a whole bunch of stuff on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. It's fantastic the way this is all coming together because we have political breaking news as the you know the the, the meeting with Nancy and then the House Democrats just got over and they had a discussion about impeachment. They then we, caucused. So we have the news and now we've got the analysis with one of our one of our favorite analysts. Indeed, we're going to caucus with Lon He Chen, the host of the podcast Crossing Lines with Lon He Chen. Lon He is a David and Diane Steffi research fellow at the Hoover Institution. He's also something behind Sean's head. <laughs> Director of Domestic Policy Studies and Lecturer in the Public Policy Program at Stanford. Thank you for moving, Sean. Lon He, how are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing fine, guys. How are you? Good. It's always great to talk. So we were just playing Absolutely. a clip of playing a clip of Nancy and uh, AOC not sounding like they were, you know, loaded for bear for impeachment, certainly. Well, I'm sure it's certainly still on the table. They're not we're not going there yet. But what I want to ask you about is I keep hearing about the conventional wisdom that uh, impeaching Clinton hurt the Republicans. And so it would be a bad idea for the Democrats to do it for Trump. And 
I just feel like there's no conventional wisdom that matters anymore. I mean, everything's gotten thrown out the window in the last several years with the conventional wisdom. Do you still hold to the de- to the idea that it would obviously be a bad political move for the House to impeach Trump? Yeah, I you know, I think the reason why it is a bad political move is not because of the conventional wisdom, but, but because of who Trump is and what Trump is able to do with the platforms he has. All right. It's not so much that impeachment in and of itself would be of great benefit to the Democrat, would be of great benefit to the Republicans. It's just Trump would find a way to take all of that energy and redirect it. Um, you know, he, he's like one of those forces in, in the universe that absorbs that energy and then spews it out in an mm-hmm. opposite direction. And I, just, and, I, and I see that this would be a very predictably bad outcome for the Democrats, which is why, by the way, Nancy Pelosi is the only thing holding that, that team together right now. If it weren't for her and sort of the way that she's thinking about this, they would, they would have been well down the road on impeachment already. And I think politically it would harm them going into the next election cycle. Well, well to your point, Lonhe, about taking energy and redirecting it, it is undeniable at this point. I don't care who you are and, and how you vote, that the uh, narrative number one of why Trump is uh, illegitimate or should not be president was the whole Russian collusion thing. Let turned out to be baseless. And so the president could easily say, all right, here's another effort to overturn right. the election. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it, you know, it, just, it fits into the narrative that President Trump is, is, is out there in, in part trying to, uh, to continue, which is that his opponents are willing to oppose him at all costs, even if that means overturning the will of the people, the will of the people who supported him. And, and I do think that the other piece of this is that when some of these Democrats start to talk about impeachment, they, they get this look in their eyes, this sort of <clears throat> crazed look almost. And, and, and it doesn't serve their party well. I don't think that's what the American people want as an alternative. I don't think they want fire-breathing opponents of the president who are willing to go to the mat to oppose him at all costs. I think they're will, they, they want someone who's willing to point out when he's wrong or point out areas where uh, he's not doing things well. But I don't think they want someone who opposes him at every turn. Well, for the crowd in the Democratic Party that does want impeachment, though, what is their thinking since they know they don't have the votes in the Senate do they think they would change public opinion with the impeachment hearings somehow? Or I don't even understand what their strategy is. Well, I, there's two measures of thinking I've heard about. One is exactly your point, which is this would be a saga played out on television that surely something negative would come out of impeachment proceedings that would hurt the president. It would be a spectacle that would finally allow them to be at the same bandwidth as the president in terms of the getting of information out there and the propagation of information. So that, that's one theory. The, the, the other theory goes to energy for the Democratic base, that because there are many in the Democratic Party primary base, the sort of dyed-in-the-wool Democratic Party activists who want this to happen. If the Democratic Party in Congress does not do this, they're going to suck the life out of the base and suck the energy out of the base and make them less motivated mm. somehow to turn out to vote in 2020. I don't subscribe to that theory because I think the base, frankly, the Democratic base hates Trump so much. I don't care what the Democrats in Congress do or don't do. They're going to come out and vote against him. 
But but there is this theory about political mobilization, which goes to the the necessity of firing up your base, which, by the way, is why Trump continues to talk about immigration and the issues that the Republican base cares about. I think in the same way that Democratic politicians are saying, look, we know our base cares about impeachment. That's why we're going to keep talking about it. Lon He Chen is host of the podcast Crossing Lines with Lon He Chen. Yeah, I, I, I see your point. Although I think there still is some danger for the, the, the Democratic base in the same way that prior to Trump coming along, the energy in the Republican Party, I think, was really on the decline, partly because the Republicans uh, up and down the roster showed no interest in fiscal responsibility, which is one of the great uh, causes of the Republican base. And so, yeah, I guess you have to keep throwing them breadcrumbs, but it's just it, it seems idiotic to me, the idea of uh, impeaching him, especially now. It's mid-2019. We've got an election in uh, like an hour and a half. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, the point about fiscal responsibility is really interesting because I think you're absolutely right that for many years that was a hallmark signature issue amongst Republicans in the Republican base. I'm not so sure anymore. You know, I, I don't know that Republican voters care nearly as much about the fiscal condition of the country and fiscal responsibility issues. Then you're going to make me cry. Like, you're going to make me cry. Lon. I know. I, it, you know, yeah, I've, I've been I've been crying for for years about this one. I mean, it's it's the reality, though, of of what federal spending does is that federal spending eventually sort of lures people in. And I think we've seen that happen uh, on on many, many issues and certainly with the Republican base. Uh, it was become clear with the polling over the years is that fiscal responsibility does not test nearly as well as it used to. And I have to wow. think it's because, uh, you know, people just don't care as much. So there's no party. So there's no party for that anymore. Though. There's no constituency for wow. it. Wow. So no, just, I don't think so. Listen, think so. you're a political scientist. Is there any way there's a soft landing from this profligate spending. We're well over $22 trillion in debt now. Or will it be exorbitant taxes and a choked economy, the, the more doomsday-ish uh, scenarios that people like me are constantly And spouting? severe cuts to programs that people like. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I really hope it doesn't go the way of higher taxes and, and choking off economic growth. By the way, one interesting thing to think about is this. The Social Security program... When the Social Security Program Trust Fund runs out of money, which will happen here, you know, within the next few decades, when that happens, it's not just the wealthy who get their benefits cut. Every single beneficiary on Social Security will have to get their benefits cut by an equivalent amount. I don't care if you make $20,000 a year or you make $2 million a year. The reality is that entitlement cuts are coming whether we like it or not. And that's why dealing with it now is the right answer. In terms of what it's going to take, it's going to take transformational leadership. I don't think it's something where, you know, we, we, we can scare people into it because we've tried that. I don't think it's something where we can say, well, taxes are coming because, you know, we all know that's probably going to happen if a Democrat gets elected. I don't think people are really phased by that. It's got to take a leader who's willing to stand up as president, I think, and say, look, this is some, some here's some medicine. You're going to have to have it. It doesn't taste great, but we need it to keep the country on track. And that's the only thing that I think is going to change this. And unfortunately, I don't see anybody out there who's willing to, to have that message. Well, Alon, he if you're asking me to run, I accept your call. Uh, <laughs> I am, I am. But I, I am. would I would warn your Oppo research guys, they're gonna see some stuff that will shock them. Okay. <laughs> We're gonna have to start spinning immediately. Well, it got it got no news coverage that Mitch McConnell got a bipartisan deal in the Senate to raise the debt ceiling and that whole thing. No fight on that whatsoever. That happened well, yesterday. Yeah, I mean you know the the issue with the debt ceiling is is it's become 
it, it, for a while there was a real political hot potato. Remember back in 2010, sure. 2011, during the fiscal fiscal cliff and the fiscal crisis. Now I think everybody has agreed that this is sort of mutually assured destruction if we don't raise the debt ceiling. So they've tried to depoliticize it. But at least it was a point of leverage for something. Not like they're just nobody cares anymore. No, I know. And and think back to when we had remember we had that Bull Simpson commission, which was put together to to come up with ideas and they're like, Hey, here's some ideas that both sides are gonna hate. And I said, Wow, that's great. That's actually exactly what we need. We need ideas that both sides are gonna hate because that's the only way we solve this problem. And unfortunately, we've come really far from that. It's only been nine years, eight, eight or nine years since we had that commission. And I got to say, we are we are as far away from fiscal responsibility today as we've ever been. Wow. Well, that's fabulous. That is something. Ancient Rome calling. Ancient Rome calling. Uh, Lan He Chen is the host of the podcast Crossing Lines with Lan He Chen. He's a big brain at the Hoover Institution, uh, director of domestic policy studies and lecturer at Stanford. Lan He, always enlightening. We enjoy it very much. Thanks for the time. Hey, thank you, guys. And we'll have a link to Lonnie's podcast. You can find it quickly. Listen, you're tiring me out. You're like some guy who wants to rescind the Louisiana purchase. <laughs> your cause, your issue is so old and dumb. Nobody cares. I was just thinking we should stop talking about it. I mean, if nobody cares about <clears throat> it, talking about it is not good for uh, you know ratings or listenership either. Nobody, we're we're the fat guy. The doctor told him, "Look, you keep eating like that, you're going to die." Whatever. I'm just going to keep eating like this. But we're not that guy. We're the dietician crying outside his window as he hammers down chocolate cake by the fistful. (laughs) We're saying, please, we love you, Mr. America. We don't want you to kill yourself. Stop it. So, you know, to drop my sarcasm for the moment, uh, and and probably only for a moment, I just, I feel like we owe it to the kids. I mean, your kids are young. Right. I don't want them to grow up. And I'm going to drain the blood of the young and live forever, so this concerns me as well. They're going to grow up the way Brits did whatever, like 70 years ago, where you just have to realize, oh, we're not going to be a dominant world power anymore. That's over. It's entirely possible. And, And the cuts to the... There are going to be... You think, you know, you hear these sob stories now about America's poor food insecurity. They got cable TV and a jet ski. Well, it's going to be real poor when all these benefits are cut. Oh, yeah, and everybody's going to say, what happened? Yeah. I hope I'm around to yell at you. Armstrong and Getty.